The Self-Aware Leader. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn Gregory, and you're on Gut Plus Science, a mentoring platform for people-first leaders of all levels. Here, we talk to exceptional leaders who prioritize culture, get fired up about employee engagement, and are excited to share ideas and tools for bettering employee experience to help others. Thank you for joining us to invest in being a better leader. Now, let's get to it. Angela Marshalik is passionate about leadership, personal growth, authenticity, positivity, living a good life. It all starts with self-awareness, and she's about to tell us about her journey in self-awareness, conscious leadership, emotional intelligence, studying the brain, all the very high-vibe things I can think of. She's the Director of Training and Organizational Development at Bassett Mechanical, and here we go. Angela Marshalik, welcome to Gut Plus Science. I am so excited for you to be here and for you to share your strong interest in self-awareness and how it's become truly like the forefront of your leadership career. Thanks, Nikki. I'm excited to be here too. Awesome. Well, let's have you dive into that just a little bit. You have so much heart and passion around self-awareness and helping other people through your experience. Like, Talk about the overarching umbrella of the backstory that got us here. Yeah, I'd love to do that. You know, sometimes when people get an opportunity to share their career, sometimes you get a little bored. You don't want them to go all the way back. But I am going to start a little bit back today, just because I think my journey has been kind of interesting to really get where I am on this topic of self-awareness today. From the beginning, I was an English teacher and I'm a designer by trade. So I have my master's in curriculum and instruction and design. And, you know, I started off really young, 23, kind of teaching high school kids. And they were alternative students. And those alternative students were hard to reach. And so I actually wrote curriculum using the state guidelines, but really asked those hard questions. And I noticed that my classes started changing. The kids started changing. And I realized the power of the question at that young age of 23. Moving fast forward really fast, well, I became a teacher and I was teaching for six years. And then all of a sudden I realized my curriculum and instruction could get me in the private industry. So I moved into business and industry and I had an amazing job at the technical college. I became an organizer of training and development. And at a local technical college here, I realized that the designs continued and the depth of the questions continued and they were threaded through. And I noticed that if I asked the right questions, there was an interest in creating a safe environment for people. So it looked a little different than high school because it was all about the question and getting the kids excited. But now as adults and training adults, it started turning a little bit deeper and people started feeling safe and creating that safe holding environment for people. And so I realized that self-awareness has a lot to do with what's not being said. And I thought about that as I continued my career. So my career kept progressing and I ended up actually at a local college. And a local college, I was tasked with starting from scratch. And I realized the power of design and what's happening behind the curriculum. And am I asking the right questions as the facilitator? So that holding environment continued. And at that point, that's where my coaching career took off, asking people 
all the right questions that made them feel safe. And I notice now, after having X number of years in without giving you my age, I realize that as coaches and facilitators and designers, we can create a safe space for people to open up and share. And it's in all the work that we do. It doesn't have to be curriculum and design. It can be anything we do. I'm fortunate enough to be in HR. So those one-on-one coaching conversations continue here at Bassett Mechanical. So I'm at Bassett. I have launched a leadership program here I'm thrilled about. And we've launched a, a coaching program with a leadership development program. And that beginning safety zone and creating that safe place for people to talk is exactly what I'm doing today here at Bassett. And it's been very successful. Oh, it's so cool. One thing I want to comment on is, so my husband and I just launched a podcast and the podcast today that my husband and I did that we're very selectively picking, it's around like bettering yourself as a person. And, you know, it's like, how do you pick your episodes? Like if something you're most passionate about, but today on our third episode that we were recording, we were talking about the power of leading people through asking the right questions just today. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I have to ask something before I want to go into self-awareness, but I have to ask you something. What is your go-to or a few favorite questions that you use that maybe our leaders might want to take and use themselves? You know, one of them would be is when you can get that really nice, safe place, kind of asking them what keeps them up at night? What are you noodling around in your head? And they usually go pretty deep and ask those deep questions with that. And they start asking themselves a lot of really good questions. Another one of my favorite questions is, if you were successful at the end of the day today, in this very present moment, what would that look like? I'm not looking for a five-year answer. Where are you going to be in five years? No, today. What's your 1% is the question. What's your 1% success for today? And they love that question because they look forward to kind of reaching out and doing something successful just in the short term. Short term is probably where it's all going. Yeah, right. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Angela, let's level set. How do you define self-awareness? The answer to that question is the same thing that most people would say. 90% of the people would say self-awareness is I know me. I know the strengths and areas of opportunity of me, and I can navigate the challenges that come my way. And I always tell people that's 50% correct, (laughs) right? There's a whole nother 50% out there when it comes to self-awareness. And that came to me when I presented with Tasha Yurek in the 2020 Women's Conference here in Wisconsin, up north here. And one of the things we talked about is, yes, self-awareness is 50% knowing me. I know all about me, but how do others perceive me is the other 50%. Because as leaders, it's not so much I can just be me and be myself. It's am I being creditable and am I showing up for others in a healthy and a safe and a very, very cooperative, engaging way. And most leaders don't think about their perception, their credibility. And that's a big thing to think about right now, right? Because how you show up for others is how they lean into you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So to start the change to become more self-aware, what's the first thing that you suggest people do on their journey? Well, like any other organization after COVID and post-COVID is slow down. 
take some time to slow down. And a lot of people don't really realize how much they are on autopilot. I recently got certified from the Neuroscience Institute on Neural Mindfulness and being a practitioner. And it's amazing what I learned in that particular course because it taught me that the brain is habitual and the brain is very habit-forming around negativity. And so it takes intentionality to really slow down and not become almost like a robot day to day. If I could tell you one thing I heard from leaders in 20 years, it's, Ange, I'm just too busy. I can't do this. I'm too busy. I can't slow down. And I'm like, we have to be intentional and teach the mind to teach the brain to slow down again. And so that would be the first thing. The other thing is getting in that space between. I call that space between is I'm in a place where I'm cognizant about what I'm choosing, right? As we go through the day and if we're so habitual, we make decisions and choices and we don't even know why we're making them. The ego can make a decision and we don't even know that we're making that. So by slowing down, it puts us in this amazing gray space, really, Nikki, to choose right and to make a decision that's going to be good for everybody and not just yourself. And so I loved your question. It's taking me years to get there because I haven't been there myself, but I practice it every day is slowing down and knowing what I'm choosing and being intentional about it. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So something I had just wrote down, I love to connect people, meaningful connections to share passions or whatever. And I have a friend that we've worked together for years. She now has a show on the People Forward Network. It's called Conscious Habit. And it's around making the conscious habit in all areas of our lives. There's two things that came up in what you just said that she's taught me. One is the eyes see what the mind believes. And if we always focus on serving the greatest good, that is what solves the problem. Yep. Choosing right, right? It's just like, I, I like I have it in my in my veins. Like I've learned this and I'm like, what I'm seeing is how I think, right? And like the best thing we could ever do is level ourselves up because it expands our brain. I'm hoping I can add a question in there for you too, or a, a comment in there that will just add right into your repertoire. Please. What you practice grows. And so if we don't practice the art of slowing down here, even at Bassett, we're training being a mindful and a resilient leader tomorrow to 60 leaders here. And these guys are technical we're a very technical organization, but what we practice grows and we're creating thinkers. And so I love that quote because it ties into the two quotes you gave me. Yeah. Why do you think it is that people, when they do start to slow down, they start to see things differently? This could tie right in with the I see what the mind believes. You know, why is that? What is the science behind that or the reasoning behind that that you found? Well, I would say is living it live. It's a great question. And one I was really challenged with when I was at the college opening up a center for leadership. And leaders would ask me that all the time. And high executive C-suite leaders would say, Ange, why do things look different? Why does the grass look greener? Or why does everything look so blue? Or what's happening? And I started thinking about that, Nikki. What is causing people to see things differently after 30, 40, 50 years? of instruction. And so I kind of came up with this model and I call it the power of self-reflection. 
And it kind of answers your question as to what's going on a little bit in the brain. When the brain slows down, it connects with the heart. And now we have a different dynamic. So that personal reflection model really says, hey, I can get in a gray spot. And when my head is in that dualistic, fixed mental models mode, and I'm downward spiraling, or I'm self-preserving, if I slow down and get in that gray space and think about that differently, I start to wonder, hmm, what might be a different way of thinking about this? And so we have this dualistic thinking of right or wrong, this or that, turn into limitless thinking, right? It can go into, wow, there's a lot of possibilities. There's a lot of opportunities. You get in that gray space and what becomes a fixed mental model kind of becomes now, I'm curious. I really want to understand what's going on. And curiosity opens up a whole different personal level of understanding. And then what might be our downward spiral thinking, that concept of, oh, this is such a bad day and my boss yelled at me and he doesn't care about my work and I'm, I shouldn't be a leader and why am I here? Taking that five minutes at your desk, you realize upward spiral thinking. Maybe there was something great he had to say. Maybe that feedback is really helping me. And eventually, and I think ultimately, it takes us from self-preservation. It's all about me, me caring about myself and worrying about myself to now. I can be vulnerable and I can learn and I can grow like every other human being. Mm, absolutely. Oh, it's beautiful. It took me a while, but you know, I love the neuro mindfulness training because it said the brain is a Teflon for negativity. But if we slow down, it can be the Velcro to positivity. And then we have limited opportunities. Oh, yes. And it, it's hard to think like that. It's hard to think like that when we're dealing post COVID and stuff's really hard right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, you know, when you, and I, I know you probably do this a lot where you'll be working with someone and helping to lead them. And then you get to witness their growth journey. And it's so fulfilling to watch that in someone. But then you can also pick up on someone that you barely know that they've worked on themselves a lot. I just see that in you. I just see like, I'm like, dang, like this is deep stuff that like most, I mean, it's a very, very small percentage of people that go this deep on themselves and we all have it within us, right? Like we all have everything within us. Um, and we're all here to learn what we're here to learn and be what we're here to be. And it's like, this is very high level talk and it takes a lot to be able to understand that. And man, if anybody's listening and it's like, what journey are you going on in the next you know, year? It's like, man, this is a really good one. So um, thank you so much for, some, for what you've shared so far. Talk about self-preservation a little bit more and why do some stay stuck in self-preservation? What's that look like? You know, I would say that each of us, you know, have a life journey, right? And our life journey sooner or later hits that major bump in the road, right? Whether it's a divorce like myself or whether it's a, you know, I'm not doing well at my job. I got let go during COVID. I think these bumps in the road kind of hit us so hard that we don't know how to recover, like I, I get stuck and we continue to spool in our heads over and over again. It's the term rumination. It's probably one of the most deadly things for mental health out there today. 
we ruminate over and over and over again on these bad stories we tell ourselves. And then that becomes a habit, right? That becomes the way we see ourselves. It's the way we see others. And I think the concept is some of us get hit so bad and we don't have anybody to help us move out of it or we don't know how to move out of it ourselves, we get stuck. And then we're frozen in our own place. And I think it really relates well to the neuroscience of the brain, right? Because it's fight, flight, or freeze. You know, when we see the saber-toothed tiger sitting in front of us and that tiger staring us down and that tiger can be a boss, it could be somebody who's condescending us or disrespecting us that day or somebody who's not showing up or I found out my boyfriend cheated on me or my best friend just, you know, is not ghosting me, not returning my calls. That stuff hits us so hard. And what do we assume? We assume sometimes the worst intent about ourselves and then we ruminate over it. And that's why we get stuck. You know, and so I will say for a second from the angle of what I feel I'm here to do on this earth is to help people experience meaningful work, like that they're in the right role in the right seat of the bus and their role energizes them and they're a better person because of the work that they do. How many people live on the other side and like it tears them down. But here's my point in that is for those of you out there that do work to help people get unstuck man, bravo. Bravo. Because if you're doing that kind of work, it's tough stuff and it can take people out if you don't have the the hand holding you to help you. And I appreciate all the people have helped me. So let's talk about emotional intelligence or EQ and how this fits in for a second. All right. So when we talk a little bit about EQ, right? Emotional intelligence, there's that self-awareness, but I want to kind of move towards, engage it towards, which most people don't often think about is the social awareness, right? Emotional intelligence is I'm self-aware, but we have, how do I manage and how do I regulate myself, but also how do I show up for others? Do I have social emotional intelligence for others? And in our jobs today, you know, a lot of us working at home and isolating behind a computer has not helped our EQ. That emotional intelligence is not growing. Sort of, we got set back. COVID has set us back, right? You talk to HR, I'm on an HR roundtable. You talk to HR directors around the new North area and they'll tell you trying to get people to come back to work is incredibly difficult right now. And why? Because I think it's safer for people. I can sort of hide behind that computer. I can get challenged to not put myself out there and be vulnerable. And I can, you know, maybe self-preserve a little bit at home and do what I want to do. So I think some of this post-COVID has really challenged us on a, an emotional, intelligent level. And I think as we continue to get past more of this post-COVID, we're going to find out that organizations are, are going to take a hit. They're going to want their people to come back because we are relational businesses. We have cultures. Bassett is a very relational business. We need people to be here to focus and work with people. So I'm intrigued by where we're at in our economy, our society, and how we're responding to it and how it's impacting our mental health, our mental health statistics in 2022, which is a huge increase in anxiety and stress and people leaving their jobs and the great resignation. So I would say that the ability to kind of move out of self-preservation and move forward is going to be a skill set that most organizations are going to need to teach. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. A whole new wave of challenges that we all get to figure out, you know, together for sure. 
So I'd love if you could be a storyteller for us for a minute. Tell us a story of a leader with high self-awareness, high EQ, and what that ripple effect looks like to the people they lead. And then flip it over and give us the opposite. Just because I feel like, hey, no matter what, whoever's listening, if you are either one, right, whether you are on the journey and doing the great example right now, you never arrive. Like you always have to keep at it, right? Like it's not like, oh, I'm done, you know? And so for the other ones that are on a challenging place and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm the bad example. Let's take out the bad, the good, the right, the wrong, and just say that this is inspiration to help take the steps that you're learning in this. But to be really aware, let's have Angela share the story stories for a minute. So I'm going to start with a really good example of a leader that was in a constant growth mindset mode. He had come to our leadership program at the college and um, he moved me. His story still to this day moves me. He was a really good leader. And I think what made him a really good leader without self-preservation is because he was constantly wanting to learn. He came to the leadership program, not because he needed training, but because he was so hungry for it, you know, so hungry for it. Well, his primary job was a vice president of marketing, and he ran marathons. And he actually coordinated a lot of the marathons that he would run in. And he would tell me stories after stories about like getting medals and the importance for him to get these medals in his life. And he continued to share these medals. In fact, he went and got a mega marathon medal for running like 50 some miles. Well, he came into my leadership class and we started talking about the same topic of self-awareness and how do you show up for others? And he goes, I really want to share this story with you. And he opened up his camera and he showed me a photo of a wall he had in his basement. Nikki, that wall was covered with metals. Like there wasn't an inch of that wall that was not covered with a metal that he could not achieve or he didn't achieve that he was so proud of. And he said, you know, he said, I got to a class and I realized I needed some professional training on leadership and not because I don't love learning and I don't think I'm a good leader because my 360 show me that I'm getting promoted. I'm a VP, but it's because I realized that at one point in my life, I need to stop getting medals and I need to start giving them more. Right? Wow. That's so cool. Like I, I would say like right there, like that is like the highest example of the evolution of a leader. It's crazy. Nikki, when he like, when he graduated from our leadership program, he wore his mega marathon medal. He physically took the medal off on graduation day and gave it to one of our cohort participants and said, you have supported me immensely. You deserve this medal. He gave the most honorable medal he had on that wall away that day. Mm. Dang. And to me, that was the metaphor I will always keep in my head around a self-aware leader is that when we start to realize that we, it's all about collecting medals and we stop helping people to achieve of getting the medals, then we know we need work. We need some self-reflective work because leadership is about how we show up for others. Oh, so that story is like 
awesome. I, I hope you share this episode with him and I, I'm just inspired. That's awesome. Maybe instead of telling a story about the opposite, maybe it is kind of going with the self-awareness thing. It's just like things that are examples. Here are examples of how when we're on the opposite side and people go through dips, right? Like we, I mean, like divorce caused me to go through a dip where I was, I mean, self-preservation and, you know, a lot of things that I was I, not my best self at all when I was going through that. We all go through things, right? And we all start at different places. So maybe just check off here things that would help maybe light bulbs go off to say like, this, this would be something that needs attention. I love that. So when we think about the opposite side of that, right? The flip side of, okay, my leader giving medals, right? But what would cause us, or maybe just some things we need to think about so that we can have warning signs? What might be some warning signs that I'm doing that may move me in a different direction? And I can share a personal story with you too that kind of shares these warning signs. I personally went through a divorce five years ago, six years ago, and some of these warning signs that I was looking at, like, maybe not feeling good about myself or my self-talk becoming negative or I don't feel I'm confident enough and then the confidence shows up in my training and I'm flustered and I don't feel good enough to get up. And I also feel like I'm lethargic and I'm sleepy and I'm not doing well anymore. These are all warning signs, right? So now you come into work and as a leader, where's my energy level? What are people noticing? Hmm, you're not feeling the best today, huh, Ange? How are you doing? Well, I'm having a tough time right now, right? And so you start shutting down. You don't even tell them what's going on or you don't share anything. So these are all kind of warning signs, I think, as we self-preserve, right? That are not catching us to say, hey, you're spiraling. Yeah. And you're getting stuck. You're getting stuck in your own negative thought patterns and your own processes. Oh. And from a leadership perspective, you see that all the time around here. Like, right? You see it all the time in your businesses and organizations where somebody loses their temper in a meeting. Somebody shows up to the meeting and they're on their cell phones disengaged. They use wording like whatever or sure, go ahead, do what you need to do. Yeah. Or I'll tell you mine. The one that I, I can't stand is fine. It's fine. Fine. Right. Fine. Oh, that's my like trigger word that just drives me insane. But all examples, right? They're all examples that are a cry for, wow, where's your head today? Now, I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss the fact that we have bad days, right? We have bad days. I guess I'm talking about the things that become behaviorally patternistic. Right. Right. Totally. We do. Like this is that I love making the point that like no one ever arrives. Like you're doing a great job. You have to keep it up. Like and, you know, it's funny. So you're in HR. So I'm I'm sure you've heard of the organization Disrupt HR. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let me tell you, during my divorce was when I was getting my opportunity on Disrupt HR to be on stage. That is a hard thing to do because you are you have a time talk. You know, this is something that's going to live on the internet. I bombed it. And it sent me into, first of all, I just couldn't even... I, so much around that, like just, I was in a horrible place feeling like I couldn't even get up in the morning and I love mornings. I'm a very early person. I was at the opposite place of who 
my best self. And then I have this opportunity on Disrupt HR and a lot of peers there and everyone being like, oh, you'll pull it off, you know, like you're fine. And and no, it wasn't fine. And it was like embarrassing <laughs> and horrible. And, you know, now I look back and I'm like, I don't know if I've ever shared that on this podcast, but it's a good example of like, I live pretty high level everyday, very intentional and all this stuff. But man, I've had some things that have knocked me down and like, I was embarrassed. I was like, and I had to figure out how to get back up and thank God for those people that like were my coaches and mentors in that. I love what you're sharing because maybe that's one of the reasons why Brene Brown is one of my favorites. It's real. Everybody right. gets knocked down. Yes. Everybody gets there. And I think there's some sort of humanity in knowing that all of us are going to get knocked down. And it ties so well into resiliency because it's like we were born in the ages where Rocky, you knock them down, you get back up again. You knock them down, you get back up again. And I think in the 21st century, we have a whole different definition of resiliency now. And mm -hmm. the definition is, is we don't want you to get knocked down. Right. What practices do you have so that you can bend and bow? You get hit, but I can bounce back up again like bamboo with snow on it. And I really think that your story on your vulnerability and your bombing, because all of us had been there. And to me, I think they're nothing but wake up calls that require us to grow. Yeah. I mean, my journey now is like, how will I handle the next bomb? It's like, how do I handle the dip versus you know, coming back because I'll come back. I'll always come back. But how do I handle the dip and show up in that, you know, versus hiding? I love that. Because you, you know, it's coming. You oh, know, yeah. Oh yeah. I call it the seasons of life, right? Like right now I'm in like a very high, wonderful season and man, the gratitude for it is off the charts. Very grateful every day. Uh, cry a lot in happiness. And it's funny because as you say, gratitude every day, when you think about self-awareness and turning that, making that right decision, the next, you know, my boyfriend and I, we laugh all the time. You're like, what's the next right step, right? You know, but this whole concept of gratitude and positivity, I mean, the brain, when you, when you're doing that, the brain is producing dopamine and ser like serotonin, right? And the brain is saying, thank you. Thank you, oh. Angela. Thank you, Nikki, for producing these chemicals in my brain that make me move forward. Yeah. It's interesting to me. That's, it's so helpful here having some technical background on the brain and what the brain does to my coaching. For all you out there that are coaching and those technical people out there, we can get to them by sharing what we naturally do when we fight, flight, or freeze. Right. And it's everybody goes there. You're not alone. Oh. My goodness. This has been amazing. And I don't know, maybe do you want like a sub series? You want to come back and just like join us monthly? I'm not sure. This is awesome. I've really loved it. We do need to wrap and go into our lightning round, which I'm very excited to hear those answers on the other side of that. We're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor message today. And we'll be right back to learn a little bit more about the personal side of Angela. If you're leading with a people first mindset, which most likely you are because you're listening to Gut Plus Science, join People Forward Network, the largest community of humans on a shared mission to lead meaningful work. You can find us at peopleforwardnetwork.com or follow People Forward Network on LinkedIn. All right. Hey, it's Nikki. We're back on Gut Plus Science and Angela Marsalek has just had such a rich conversation for us today. It's been 
Awesome. And now we always ask the same first question, Angela, just this is popcorn answers, you know, give us just, you know, your quick lightning round of this. If you had to pick one book to inspire our leader listener audience, what book would you pick? I would pick Brene Brown's Gifts of Imperfection. I mean, it's moving her concepts and definitions of shame versus guilt and how we as humans carry shame and guilt. Great read. And Brene Brown has has changed the leadership game in the world. Absolutely. 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 Okay, Angela, when you are 80 years old, what will matter to you most? I think I'm going to answer that the same way I always do with Maya Angelou's quote, which is, it really doesn't matter what you do for people. It really matters how you made them feel. And when I'm 80 years old, I want people to come to my funeral, not because I completed a project for them or I completed something that was on my checklist to do, but because I had an experience with them and we enjoyed that experience together. That's awesome. Well, this rolls right into my next question for you. What does joy look like to you today? Well, since I'm a leadership trainer and my whole world around career development is around leadership development, I would say joy for me is teaching leaders how to be their best authentic selves. And that is finding their joy. Mm. And so I think positivity breeds positivity. And my joy is when I can train leaders to be their best authentic selves. That's awesome. All right. And Angela, I'm sure lots of people want to reach out and learn from you and connect with you. Uh, You've got all the good vibes going on here. How do people reach out and connect with you after the show today? Sure. They can drop me an email at Angela14396 at Outlook.com, or they can just give me a buzz if they need to, or Lee, drop me a text. 920-676-1405. Angela, thank you so much for this contribution you made today. Goodness gracious, it was good. Uh, I have a feeling we'll be talking again soon and introducing you to many others throughout our podcast network, People Forward Network. So truth you can act on. Number one, questions are so powerful. As a leader, you get to get good at asking great questions, to have meaningful, highest impact conversations. Number two, learn how others perceive you, not just self-awareness from a like took an assessment, got a report back, you know, look in the mirror a lot. Like how do others perceive you? And there's tools out there like, you know, 360 assessments or different ways to do that, but really understanding how others see you and getting that feedback. Number three, slowing down helps with self-awareness. It helps us to be more present and conscious. I'm going to take that one as a to-do item. And it's just so true. Number four, what you practice grows. And that applies to everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. So what you practice grows. Oh, so good. We'll see you next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.